Welcome to Body of Work, an exploration of health topics in the news and important issues facing science with experts from Baylor College of Medicine. I'm Erin Blair, and my guest today is Professor of Genetics, Medicine, and Pediatrics, Dr. Malcolm Brenner. Before we get into defining immunotherapy, can you explain the relationship between cancer and the immune system? Well, that's a very controversial question, and it's one that people have changed their minds about many times over the past years. Originally, people observed that individuals who had chronic irritation, like chimney sweeps, developed cancer in, at the site of the inflammation. So there was an association made between uh, the inflammatory response and cancer. Uh, then subsequently, um, immunologists said that the immune system was able to act as a kind of surveillance mechanism, go around the body looking for cancerous cells, cells that had abnormalities on their surface or in their behavior, and picking out and destroying their cells, so-called immune surveillance. But for a long time, that, that theory was, was debunked, really. No, very few people came to believe it. But gradually, more and more immunologists showed that cancer and the immune system could be very closely related, uh, particularly with the discovery, for example, of virus-associated cancers. And um, as there was greater success, I suppose, in identifying the cellular mechanisms and the molecular mechanisms underlying cancer and underlying the function of the immune system, uh, investigators began to discover ways in which those two things could be connected and show that the immune system did indeed have an important part to play in the control, potentially in the control and even the origin of cancer. So how does immunotherapy work? Immunotherapy essentially is a way of targeting cancer. So most of the research on cancer therapy over the past few years has been into developing targeting mechanisms, whether that's small molecules or better radiation or better surgery. And the immune system is a, is a superb targeting system. It's what it's designed to do. And it has two major elements that can target cells and potentially recognize, discriminate between normal and malignant cells. And one of those involves the production of, of soluble factors like antibodies, and the other involves the direct activity of various different cell types that can recognize abnormalities on the cancer cell surface and attack the cells that have those abnormalities. How long has immunotherapy been used as a cancer treatment? Most people generally accept that the first uh, Im true immunotherapy was well over 100 years ago. It was uh, William Coley at Memorial Hospital, as then was, and he developed uh, the so-called Coley's vaccine, which was a mixture of different bacteria, and he'd inject the bacteria into patients with cancer, and there was no doubt that a, s a significant, un undoubtedly significant proportion of them had tumor responses, and some of them appear even to have been cured. Uh, it's difficult to know exactly what cancers they had because of, of record-keeping at the time, but, but certainly there were responses. The problem was that it was a mixture of bacteria, lots of different bacteria. It was very difficult to get the same mixture every time, and the patients had to be injected on a regular basis. And one of the things that they had to have was quite a severe fever in order to see the response. So the, the patients fell ill for a considerable period of time. And, um, and gradually this group fell out of favor and was replaced by chemotherapy uh, and by um, radiation, although it sort of made occasional comebacks. But after that time, really, uh, people developed approaches that were more readily reproducible, and such as monoclonal antibodies uh, and, more recently, cell-based therapies 
in which we can predict with much greater accuracy how well and when they're going to work. So what is a monoclonal antibody? Monoclonal antibodies were first discovered uh, where I did my PhD, in fact, in, in Cambridge. Uh, and they are antibodies that can be made with all, in almost uh, unlimited quantities from a single, originally from a single cell, which is made to multiply, 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 and produce these antibodies of very defined uh, specificity and very defined behavior. So you know exactly what they're recognizing, exactly how they're going to recognize it, and how much quantity you can produce from them. In other words, it's the exact opposite of what we talked about earlier, this Coley's toxin, which was a, a huge mix of different things that nobody could ever exactly replicate. So these are very, very specific, very defined, unlimited quantity antibodies, and we can therefore work with them to show how best to administer them and to make them as safe and effective as possible. And what is the antibody action in the cell? The antibody recognizes structures on the surface of the cell it binds to those structures and then can either attract in other components of the immune system to kill that cell or it can itself contain a, a poison that is taken up by the cell, a targeted drug in other words, that is taken up by the cell and specifically kills the cell to which it binds. And it can do both of those things. It can have a drug attached to it and attract the immune system. So what's the difference between immunotherapy and chemotherapy? Uh, well, immunotherapy is based essentially on the immune system, which is endogenous. It's, it's within ourselves, whereas chemotherapy is based on agents that come from outside ourselves and are capable of producing changes, potentially in all cell types, but which are targeted to particular molecular lesions or, or behavioral characteristics of the cancer. The immune system essentially recognizes structures on the cell surface either external structures or internal structures that have been taken out of the cell and pushed onto the cell surface, recognizes those, those patterns, if you like, as foreign and attacks the cells that bear them. So are there any cancers for which immunotherapy has proven significantly more effective than earlier about chemotherapy, radiation, surgery, ways of treating them? Uh, I think there's, there's no doubt that immunotherapy for some cancers can produce responses, and it's long-term responses, where radiation and chemotherapy have failed. Examples include Hodgkin's disease, acute lymphoplastic leukemia, some uh, lung cancers and so on, melanoma. Uh, but whether they can replace the other therapies is another question. At the moment, these immunotherapies are very rarely frontline therapies. Uh, they're mostly brought in uh, as reserve therapies when the other therapies have failed. Now, if they can be brought into the front line and shown to produce better, superior responses, superior survival, then yes, they'll be better. But at the moment, we can only say they can work even where other therapies have failed. That sort of sounds like a strange distinction, but I think it's an important one. So when in treatment is immunotherapy generally introduced? Is it only after uh, failure of of a chemotherapy or a radiation regimen? Uh, at the moment, it's, it's mostly a second, third, or fourth, or in one case, in the series we've been doing, 17th line of therapy. 17th? Yeah, 17th wow. line of therapy. So, and it's been successful at that, at that level. So as we get more, know more about it and how successful it is and where it works, gradually it will be taken further, further back into being part of primary therapy. And that has already happened 
with monoclonal antibodies, which have been around a lot longer. For example, there's a monoclonal antibody to malignancies of um, uh, one cell type called B cells, lymphoma, uh, in which the antibody is used as a part of the frontline therapy. But it's also combined with more conventional chemotherapy and or radiation. So it's not a complete replacement. It's an add-on. So I think that's what will be the, the pattern. We'll see these immunotherapies coming earlier and earlier in treatment, becoming a component of that early treatment. And gradually, as we learn how to combine them, the different components, the cell-based ones, the antibody-based ones, or the other ones, we'll see it becoming more and more widely used. Because of the memory of the immune system, is immunotherapy a more long-term solution to preventing recurring cancer? So one of the, the big advantages of cell-based therapy, not so much the antibody therapies, but of cell-based therapies is that many of the immune system cells have what you might call stemness. In other words, they can be present essentially for a patient's life. We, some of the very first patients we treated with uh, cell-based therapies 30 years ago have still got those same cells circulating. We can detect the genetic modifications we made to them to track them. We can still see them 30 years later and they're still potentially protecting the patients from their cancer. Uh, so yeah, in principle, one cell one time could cure a patient for life. It's remarkable. Yes, but it's potential at the moment. Sure. <laughs> Are there different types of immunotherapy treatments uh, better suited for treating different kinds of cancers? Does it depend on the patient? Are you still in a sort of mix and match combination? Yeah, so uh, for the moment, the cell-based therapies have been probably most successful for blood cancers, although other, some other cancers like melanoma, cancer of the skin, and, and certain other ones have responded to cell therapies. Uh, antibody therapies have been effective for some solid tumors, uh, for example, HER2 antibody, very widely used for, as part of the treatment of breast cancer, again, mm -hmm. in combination with uh, more conventional chemotherapy and or radiotherapy. So I would say that for the moment, immunotherapy has a most dominant place in the blood malignancies, lymphoma and leukemia, while antibodies have a broader place in the treatment of solid tumors. But I think those will converge. A friend of mine is uh, preparing to have a bone marrow transplant. Is that a type of immunotherapy or is that a different thing altogether? When, when bone marrow transplant was first mooted and first implemented, uh, the idea was that the patients would have very high dose chemotherapy and radiotherapy that would cure their cancer. But it was realized that at the same time, that higher dose of drugs and radiation would destroy their normal bone marrow. Uh, so the idea originally was that the bone marrow would simply transplant, would simply be a rescue from the damaging consequences of the treatment. But as time went by, people realized that that wasn't the main mechanism by which benefit was produced. Instead, it was what was called a graft versus leukemia or graft versus cancer effect, where the incoming immune system from the donor recognized the cancerous cells, along with some of the normal cells in the recipient, as being foreign and rejected, killed them, eliminating the cancer. So a bone marrow transplant probably works by a combination of mechanisms, by reducing the burden of tumor and then by eliminating those that are left behind. Chemotherapy is known to have some side effects, uh, hair loss, exhaustion, 
Um, are there adverse reactions associated with immunotherapy as well? Um, I think every effective drug has adverse effects. With immunotherapy, they depend on the type of immunotherapy being used and also what's being targeted and, and what, what component of the body is being targeted. And some of the effects are due to damage to normal organs uh, that are also attacked by the immune system or by the treatment used. And some of the effects are due to the immune system itself getting overexcited when it's introduced into this environment to kill tumor cells and releasing products that cause inflammation and um, so-called cytokine release syndromes and brain toxicities and, and various other complications that are slowly being uh, overcome and, and resolved. But in general, it's a very powerful system and these off-target effects and the effects of the immune system itself can be very devastating and have to be controlled. Could immunotherapy lead to some kind of an autoimmune disease in a patient? One of the big dangers of having a, an immune system that's been activated or overactivated is that it won't confine itself to attacking the malignant target, that it will start recognizing the nor your normal tissues as being part of the disease and will produce this so-called graft-versus-host disease in which it attacks normal components of the body and damages them. And after bone marrow transplant, that was for many years a very feared complication. It damaged the skin, the gut and the liver, uh, sometimes the fatal consequences. Slowly we've been able to control that more and we have many more tools to control it now. But it is uh, still a, uh, a risk, absolutely. How affordable and available is immunotherapy at this point? One of, one of the big problems with immunotherapy, certainly cell-based immunotherapy, is the very high cost. Um, every drug has high cost of development because of the various rules and regulations that you have to go through. But once the development is over, then the drugs can be manufactured extremely cheaply for a few fractions of a cent per dose. Well, that's not what's charged to the patient, of course, but that's the actual uh, per item cost. The problem with cell therapies in particular is that they are very continue to be very expensive and complicated to manufacture. They're sort of handcrafted or artisanal products rather than something you buy um, uh, that's mass-produced. It's a three-star Michelin res restaurant on McDonald's, so to speak. Um, the, the issue also is that they are given in a different way. Very few chemotherapy drugs are curative, and they have to be given over a long period. The hope with, with cell therapies in particular is that one dose one time is, is curative, as, as we mentioned earlier. And that means that the initial cost can be quite eye-watering. Uh, and so more and more people are trying to work out ways of breaking down the cost over a period of time so that you have, if you like, a reverse annuity. The longer you live, the, the more you pay. Uh, or that you only pay if the drug actually works. Uh, there's various advantages and disadvantages to that and other models, but for the moment, it's not that huge a problem because most of these cell-based therapies are confined to relatively uncommon diseases. But as they get applied to much more common diseases, then these issues of cost and availability are going to become quite, quite troubling. What other diseases could be or are currently being treated with immunotherapy besides cancer? Uh, there's a lot of interest in using monoclonal antibodies to do the opposite of what they're doing in 
uh, in cancer therapy. In other words, using them to block immune attack and, uh, and to minimize the immune response. So for autoimmune diseases and for inflammatory diseases like Crohn's disease and other inflammatory bowel diseases, monoclonal antibodies and rheumatoid arthritis, monoclonal antibodies are proving extremely useful. And I think almost certainly the same will be true once we can invert the, the findings we have for cancer with the cell therapies that we'll be able to develop cells that can inhibit these autoimmune attacks and prevent inflammatory disorders and, um, and autoimmune disease. And that, of course, opens up a much wider spectrum of disorders because there are probably many diseases, degenerative diseases, that have a significant component of inflammation and, and immune response within them. And um, being able to deal with those will be very important. All the more reason to get the costs down. So what's next for immunotherapy? I think the main increase in interest now is in applying these to a broader range of cell therapies and antibodies to a broader range of solid malignancies, solid tumors rather than the blood cancers. And the second big push, I would say at the moment, is to make these products off the shelf so instead of having to make an individual product for each individual patient... Artisanally. Artisanally, exactly. You can have a bulk product, freeze it down, and then as and when you need it, you take it out of the freezer and inject it immediately into the patient. And there are huge resources going into this, in part because it's much easier to scale, and in part also because then the costs become less prohibitive. Could you talk a bit about your own research? Yeah, so we're interested in really in moving uh, cell therapies into additional blood cancers, and we're treating now uh, T-cell malignancies with some very promising results, and uh, a disease called Hodgkin's lymphoma, again, with very promising results. And, and these are some of the patients who really have failed every other therapy, multiple, multiple different types of therapy. Uh, we're also pushing to treat solid tumors more effectively. And the way that we're trying to do that is to make use of the immune system's ability to recognize virus infections. That's really probably what its primary purpose is. So what we do is we take a virus and we modify it so that it will only grow within malignant cells. And we inject that virus into the malignant cells and we put within that virus a kind of reverse Trojan horse, so a kind of signal that attracts the immune system into the tumor uh, and helps uh, remove virus-infected cells. But at the same time, because the virus doesn't get into every tumor cell, we recruit in a whole range of different immune, immune cells that can recognize other abnormalities on the tumor, even if they're not infected by viruses, and start to attack them and destroy them. And we can do this very successfully in animal models, and we are launching now, we're in the middle of launching a clinical study of this within the next six months. The danger of it, of course, will be that we do too much, as we were discussing earlier, and start to get autoimmunity. But we're hoping, and certainly the animal models suggest, that there's a gap between enough immune activity to kill cancer and so much immune activity that you get autoimmunity. So we want to identify and exploit that sweet spot. Are there any particular solid cancers, solid tumors that you're focusing on right now? Uh, well, we're going to start with head and neck cancers, uh, cancers of the uh, cervix, and cancers also of the lung. So at least some of those are ones that do have a, 
a, a viral component to them. And some of those do, you're right. Some of those are already got uh, potentially viral tumors. Some of them have uh, papillomavirus mm. in them. Uh, so we hope that that will, will help us along, give us a double dose of virus, as it were. It's really exciting. I'm sure that all the people who, who have cancer or have a family with cancer are following these remarkable accomplishments and, and steps forward in immunotherapy with a lot of interest. Yes, it's been a long time. I've been, I've been um, one of the few uh, people who's lasted the course, really. I started doing immunotherapy of cancer in about the early 1980s, and uh, it's been a long road. I remember when we were always uh, confined to the very last session of the very last day at any meeting on cancer therapy, and now, of course, we sort of front and centre. I, I think it, it is going to be continue to be a, a long road, but we are at least somewhere along it, and we are beginning to see some very nice results. Thank you for tuning into Body of Work by Baylor College of Medicine. If you enjoyed this episode, be sure to subscribe and be on the lookout for our next episode. If you like the show, please give us a five-star review and tell your friends to listen. We're available on Spotify, Apple Podcast, and Stitcher, as well as at bcm.edu slash podcast. There you can also find the episode notes, including information about the experts featured on the show. A quick note about the medical advice and opinions stated in this podcast. Each individual's health profile is unique, so please see a health professional about any questions you may have. Until next time, take care.